Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throwback Thursday, Toronto Blue Jays off today, but in today's episode, we will take a look to set the scene as the Blue Jays head to the Bronx to take on the Yankees on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Also, as it is, Throwback Thursday. The middle segment is a great Throwback Thursday story between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And then in our third and final segment, we're joined by Fox MLB analyst and host of the Flipping Bats podcast, Ben Verlander, as we talk some more Throwback Blue Jays stories. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Craig Ballard. I am Locked On Blue Jays. I am thankful that you're choosing to spend part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. For the everydayers that, that I see commenting on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for that. To the new subscribers, absolutely welcome. If you are an everydayer that is making Locked On Blue Jays your first podcast listen each day, I can't thank you enough for that as well. And if you know any friends, family, co-workers, your TTC driver, your Uber driver, your neighbor, I mean, you name it, you, you know somebody else who is a Blue Jays fan, please help get Locked On Podcast Blue Jays growing by putting that podcast in their hands as well. Now, let's kick off our first segment by mentioning that the Blue Jays are off today. They travel to the Boogie Down Bronx for a three-game weekend series at Yankee Stadium. Now, tomorrow on Locked On Blue Jays, we'll deep dive the pitching matchups for the three games. And today, we've got great throwback Thursday Blue Jays stories in the middle segment and the final segment. One has to do with the Yankees Blue Jays. But first, let's go ahead and take a peek into the upcoming series, Blue Jays-Yankees. Now, traditionally, oh boy, the Blue Jays do not fare well in New York. That's been especially true over the last dozen seasons. So last dozen seasons, last 12 seasons. Now, two of those seasons, 2015 and 2021, were complete domination for your Toronto Blue Jays. 8-2 and two in 2015 at Yankee Stadium, 8-2 and two in 2021 in Yankee Stadium. Okay, that's going to work. And there's no possible way that I'm saying that that needs to be the standard for the Blue Jays to do well and, and you know be ahead of the Yankees in the standard. But it certainly needs to be better because, Craig, you said a dozen seasons. That's two good seasons. What about the other 10? The other 10 the Blue Jays have combined to play 90 games at Yankee Stadium. They've won just 25 of those games. Yeah, 25 and 65. My goodness. Last time the Blue Jays were in New York, you may remember things got chippy between Garrett Cole and Alec Manoa. Now they got chippy verbally. Let's see if that gets to the next level in this series because, spoiler alert, if there's no rain delay today on the Thursday, then we are on pace, or the Friday, I should say, then we are on pace Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern in the Bronx, Garrett Cole against Alec Manoa. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, but Craig Manoa struggling. Nothing comes into play. How well is Cole pitching? Nothing comes into play. This is two competitors, Cole and Manoa, locking horns. Man, there should be some fireworks. There should be some drama in that Saturday game. How about the rest of the Blue Jays? How have they done traditionally at Yankee Stadium? Bo has struggled massively at Yankee Stadium. Again, hopefully now this is the new Bo, right? The new and improved Bo. He's always led the league in hits, yes, but he's never been as good a hitter as, as we're seeing him be right now. So hopefully that's going to help at Yankee Stadium. Certainly that short porch in left, in, sorry, in right field should, should play for Bo, right? His opposite field stroke this season has just been absolute chef's kiss. George Springer has hit well at Yankee Stadium. He's a guy that needs to get going. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We just saw Slim Daddy Vladdy hit his first ever home run at Minute Maid Park in Houston. He'd never homered in that ballpark before. Now he comes to Yankee Stadium. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. owns 
Yankee Stadium. Ten career home runs already for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in Yankee Stadium. Wow, 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 wow. Kevin Kiermaier. Kevin Kiermaier makes his Yankee Stadium debut as a Blue Jay. Now, what do we know about Kevin Kiermaier? His calling card is? His defense never been great offensively. We know we, we've talked about, and you every day as we'll, remember, we'll recall, we've talked about Kiermaier on the show before, and that there is cause for optimism that his offense will take a step forward this season because traditionally he's hit well at Rogers Center. Well, another part of that, or, 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 or another cause for optimism for Kevin Kiermaier here, and, and a reason to, because I'm slowly coming to like Kevin Kiermaier, right? He did a lot of damage to me as a Tampa Ray over the years. I know a lot of you are there already. A lot of you are loving Kiermaier already. I'm I'm being dragged towards liking Kiermaier. Well, a, a nice series at Yankee Stadium going to go a long way to to continue that <laughs> that 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 climb towards being a Kevin Kiermaier fan. And we've got a chance to see a good series from Kevin Kiermaier. Of course, the most home runs he's hit in a ballpark is Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. That's where he played for several years. Well, the number one road ballpark that Kevin Kiermaier has hit home runs at Yankee Stadium. He's got nine at Yankee Stadium. Kevin Kiermaier has taken advantage of that short porch, those dimensions in Yankee Stadium. Hey, Kevin, keep that up this weekend, please, and thank you. Side note, I was really, I mean, I really, really, really hope that that short porch, that these Yankee Stadium dimensions can be the cure for what ails Brandon Belt. We we need to get Brandon Belt going. Need to have him round the bases on a home run a couple times this weekend to really get that bad going. Oh, good, Craig. Are you saying this cause for optimism because Belt has hit well at Yankee Stadium in the past? No, I am not saying that. Brandon Belch is four for 27 at Yankee Stadium with no home runs. Oh, my goodness. So so it, 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 it may be far-fetched for me to say, hey, let's have some optimism about Brandon Belt. But if you're like me, you're looking for anything, pitching matchup, ballpark, day of the week, you name it. I'm looking for anything to get me feeling good that, hey, this could be a game or a series where Brandon Belt comes out of his funk. Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield, this is his debut at Yankee Stadium as a Blue Jay. Now, truth be told, he struggled there. He's done well as a Blue Jay, though, so far. So hopefully hopefully that's going to do well. This will be Dalton Varsho. show. Speaking of guys who need to get going, right? And speaking of guys who hopefully can take advantage of Yankee Stadium dimensions, Dalton Varsho needs to get going. And he's making his debut at Yankee Stadium. He's never played there before. I think we'll see a lot of Danny Jansen this weekend because this is a ballpark. <laughs> the Blue Jays are doing well, right? So it sounds odd to say so many people that we need to get going. But Danny Jansen's another guy that we need to get going. And, and he's hit well in this ballpark before. So hopefully some cause for optimism there. It very much looks like we'll see Kikuchi, Manoa, and Gosman for the Blue Jays. Looks like we'll see Domingo Herman fresh off of all that controversy from the other day. Did you see that? We we, we touched on it with uh, Ben Verlander the other day. Uh, just insane and with, with with the sticky stuff. Anyway, so it looks like we'll see Domingo Herman, Garrett Cole, and then Clark Schmidt. Now Clark Schmidt on the on the Sunday finale against Gosman on paper. That should be advantage Blue Jays. Clark Schmidt has just recently become a full time starting pitcher and he is struggling. The Yankees are at home, of course. Now they're coming off. They'll be coming off a three-game series versus the Angels. It ends on Thursday, whereas the Blue Jays have that day off on Thursday. It, it'll be there'll be some travel involved for the Blue Jays there, sure. But hopefully, that's something that can play in the Blue Jays' advantage. Coming up on Throwback Thursday, an incredible story. If you've not heard this before, do be sure you're seated. It's the story of when Dave Winfield was a New York Yankee and killed. And was arrested. Yeah, big drama. Hey, it's every bit as crazy as it sounds. A seagull at Exhibition Stadium back in 1983. Even if you've heard that story, I, I think you want to tune in just to remember those particulars. It is one of the stories in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. Now, there is something exciting coming to Built.com on April the 22nd. I am sorry to tell you that I don't have all the details just yet, but the excitement is real and it's something you won't want to miss. 
If you know how Built works, then you know they have incredible protein bars, and they always do some amazing flavor drops as well, some just really unreal flavors that they will put in limited quality, so limited quantity, sorry, so you, you do have to get them while, you know, get them while they're hot. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com. That's going to be on Saturday, April the 22nd. Be one of the first to discover what the hype is about. Now, I can't wait to see what that new flavor is. And make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's all capitals. And then 15, LOCKEDON15, and you get 15% off of your order. Throwback Thursday here on Locked On Blue Jays. Locked On Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throwback Thursday, Toronto Blue Jays off today, but headed to the Bronx this weekend for a three-game series against the hated New York Yankees. So I thought, hey, better have a Yankees-Blue Jays throwback Thursday story in here. Now, there are a lot to choose from, right? The, several teams have come and go over the years in and out of the American League East. The Yankees and the Blue Jays have always been in the American League East. They've always been rivals with each other. I, you could go back to 1985, the drive for 85. That's the first season the Blue Jays made the playoffs, and that came down to the second-last game of the season against the New York Yankees because of the New York Yankees. that They were neck-and-neck neck with the Jays. So, of course, from 85 to present, of course, there's a lot of – Yankee Blue Jay stories that could be told, yes, but how? I figured, you know, how could you start talking Yankee Blue Jays and, and interesting stories and not start with Dave Winfield as a New York Yankee during a game at Toronto in 1983, killing a seagull? And if you've not heard this story, I bet I have your attention. I bet you're sitting there saying, what? But yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's what it sounded. That's what happened. So let's, let's set that scene here. So this is in the early 80s. So if the Blue Jays are playing at home in the early 80s, then we know they're at Exhibition Stadium. Now, Exhibition Stadium was often referred to as the mistake by the lake. In fact, the Blue Jays' own executive, Paul Beeston, yeah, that Paul Beeston, he said that the Exhibition Stadium wasn't just the worst stadium in baseball. It was the worst stadium in sports. That's our own executive. That's our own executive <laughs> saying that, right? That's how, that's how bad Exhibition Stadium was. Now, in this time in Toronto, the Seagull population, had exploded. A couple years previous, the seagull population was at about 10,000. It was at about 200,000 now in the early 80s. And Exhibition Stadium was a contributor to that, right? It's right by the lake. That's where the birds are going to be. And Exhibition Stadium, of course, now you have thousands of people many times uh, each year coming with, with, their, with their food and leaving the garbage and, and the uh, food wrappers and, and food scraps around, things like that. So, of course, the birds were popping. The seagulls were popping. They were living their best life during this time down at Exhibition Stadium. Now, the and you know the OK Blue Jays song, you know, the, but you probably, you know, the OK Blue Jays, let's play ball. Well, did you know that's an entire song? That's an entire song. It's the official song of the Toronto Blue Jays. And in that song, one of the lyrics is, is that a fly ball or a seagull coming in from the lake just to catch the game? So <laughs> that's how known the seagull issue was in Toronto Blue Jay lore in Toronto Blue Jay history. It's literally part of the official Toronto Blue Jay of the OK Blue Jays song. Yankees in town. It's August 4th. It's 1983. Now, you know the drill. You've seen it many times. Between innings, either the center fielder and left fielder play catch to warm up while the right fielder plays catch to warm up with the ball boy or the center fielder and right fielder play catch to warm up while the left fielder plays catch with the ball boy. And when the inning's ready to start, they all throw the ball in. They return the ball to the infield, to the ball boy. We get set for action. This is the fifth inning. Warming up. Dave Winfield warming up. Goes to return the ball to the ball boy. Hits this seagull on the head. Now, the seagull had been sitting... Uh, right around the right field foul line. And and what's odd is he had been there for a few innings. And I say odd because we know that, what do we know about seagulls, or birds in general, but certainly seagulls, 
they'll come check out, hey, what's the action? What's going on? They will. But if once anything gets stirred around them, they're out of there. They're out of there. So the fact that he was, that, that, that I shouldn't say that, that that bird was there for a few minutes or for a few innings, very odd. And in fact, the witnesses that, that were there, that were at that game, they say that they saw that bird land there a few innings earlier, land very awkwardly, didn't use its feet and just sat in that position. So some odd things were happening with this bird, and, and that'll come up a little bit later in the story. So Winfield, a bottom of the fifth, about 80 feet away, throws the ball, hits the seagull in the head, killing it. Billy Martin, oh boy, if you know Billy Martin, then you know this comment isn't even going to surprise you. He had worse comments than this too, by the way. This is the only one that's that's fit to mention. Uh, it's the only one that's semi, it's not even semi fun. It's the only one that's fit to mention, as Billy Martin said after the game, that that's the first time Winfield has hit the cutoff man all year. Now, uh, he said some horrible things about about that situation, Billy Martin. He, he he that's pretty commonplace for Billy Martin. Now, in fairness to the New York Yankees in general, they were very confused about what was going to happen here. They they, they could see that the, the fans were upset. Uh, right fielder, Blue Jays right fielder Jesse Barfield had to come out the next inning, put a towel over the bird, so uh, the 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 dead seagull at this point, so it could be removed from the field. Now, after the game, Dave Winfield was arrested. And it was uh, it was causing unnecessary suffering, causing unnecessary suffering. That's the the criminal code. That's Section 402 of the criminal code, at least at the time it was. So Winfield arrested, taken to the police station. Toronto Blue Jay boss Pat Gillick stayed with Winfield at the police station until midnight when he was finally released. It was Pat Gillick who shelled out the $500 for the bond to get Dave Winfield out. Like this has all just become in, in, in incredible. Now, the very next day, the charges were dropped and the Crown attorney said, and I quote, it is always a key issue to find criminal intent and I'm satisfied there was none here. And a part of the, you know, part of the charges being dropped as well was that when that bird was scooped up, it was sent to the Toronto Humane Society and then right away rushed to the University of Guelph for an autopsy. Yeah, you heard all of that right. You heard all of that right. Craig, they didn't rush it somewhere for another. Yeah, you heard all of that right. Yes, they did. At this time, apologies, uh, University of Guelph. I don't know if this is still your reputation, but but at the time, University of Guelph was was the were bird experts. They, they had major bird experts there, a couple in particular. So the bird went there for an autopsy, and the autopsy found that the seagull was not well. Would have died within a, the, within the next little while. So again, that sort of I guess explains that odd behavior that that we'd seen from that bird. Still a tragedy, still a sad story. I mean, don't get me wrong there, but just, just letting you know what, what took place there. Now, Paul Godfrey, who at the time was the chairman of Central Toronto, he went to New York later to apologize to Dave Winfield in person. And you can imagine the, the direct aftermath of that for the Toronto Blue Jays and for the city of Toronto, they became a laughing stock. They became a punchline. People really, really made fun of Toronto for this, you know, it, it, you've caused this seagull problem. You've made this mistake by the lake. What were you thinking could, would, would happen? Of course, something like this could happen. You know, the, the, the bird was sick. You're blaming Dave Winfield for all this stuff. It was an accident, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, that's one thing that did not sit well with Dave Winfield. I think to his credit, that's one thing that did not sit well with Dave, Dave Winfield. He was not okay with Toronto, the Blue Jays, or the city, or the country of Canada becoming a laughing stock. That winter... At, the, at that time, Dave Winfield owned some art studios in New York, so he he commissioned an artist to make to create a painting, and the painting was a, a large red maple leaf with a bunch of seagulls flying around it. And that winter, Dave Winfield came back to Toronto. He had a great line. He he, he held a, a charity event where he would end up raising selling that painting, raising thirty two thousand dollars for Easter seals. Now, Easter seals, if you don't know, it's a big time charity. 
it's a quality they, they look for to add quality of life and well-being and independence for canadians that live with disabilities so great cause and dave winfield at this ceremony had a great line he said uh, when i told my family about this that we we're going to be doing this i said man I'm, uh, th th this is th this is going to be awesome i've been invited to toronto and his family were looking at him and, and they asked him to repeat it. And he said, yeah, I've been invited to Toronto because they were hearing it as, are you getting indicted in Toronto? Because right all the mess that was going on. So he had a, he had a great story about that. But $32,000 raised for Easter Seals. I mean, that's a chunk of change under any circumstances. Remember, this is 1983. So that's a significant chunk of change. I feel like Dave Winfield, that, that, that went a long way. It was a great effort anyway in making things right for the city of Toronto and for the country of Canada. We know he 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 turned things around from a Blue Jay fan standpoint when he was in 1992, his lone season with the Blue Jays. Of all this, I think Winfield played, uh, I want to say 15 or 16 seasons in baseball, and he still to this day will tell you his 1992 with the Toronto Blue Jays was his his funnest. I don't I don't know that's not a word, but his fun his most enjoyable. There we go, his most enjoyable season he's ever played. And of course. Do the Blue Jays even win the 1992 World Series if it wasn't for Dave Winfield's game-winning two-run double down the line in left field off of Charlie Liebrandt, snuck it past Terry Pendleton. You'll remember that highlight well. That was in game six of the 92 World Series in the, in the 11th inning. And, of course, the Blue Jays would go on to win that game and clinch the World Series. Coming up on Locked on Blue Jays, we're joined by Fox MLB analyst and the host of the Flipping Bats podcast, Ben Verlander, for a few more Throwback Thursday Blue Jays stories. And be sure to check in tomorrow, that's Friday's episode, as I get you set for the pitching matchups in the weekend series as your Toronto Blue Jays head to the Bronx to take on the hated New York Yankees. Now, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same way when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit and fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, just head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right at the first time around. Yes, please. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that your, your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greg Ballard locked on Blue Jays. Look who's back for Throwback Thursday. Had so much fun with him on Tuesday's episode. Had to get him back in the mix for Throwback Thursday. Ben Verlander. Going to throw it to Ben in a moment here for dealer's choice of any sort of throwback, uh, a Thursday Throwback Blue Jay topic. All start. Now, Ben, as, as he mentioned on Tuesday's show, came up through the system and was in the minor leagues with the Detroit Tigers. Saw a few Blue Jays cross his path. That would become a, a major leaguers. Uh, faced Barucky a few times. TJ Zoic, Jonathan Davis. Uh, ran into Tim Mesa a, a, a few times, Ben, uh, as well. Yeah, there was even a time, it might have even been your last season, Ben, where, where the Blue Jay affiliate on your level there, the, the double play combo was Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So Ben's, yeah. yeah, a lot of people forget, right? Lourdes came up through the system as a shortstop. So Ben's seen some things. Ben, I want, for the throwback, I want to get your thoughts on, and man, I, I've literally had to spell this out here because I could never say this name right, but there was a pitcher we used to have, Jeremy Grabriz Whiskey, Grabriz Whiskey, 6'4", big, tall righty. I'm hoping you remember something about him, Ben, because you smashed this guy. You smashed this guy. Do you remember anything <laughs> about him? Or or what do you remember? I'd just love to get your thoughts on as you were coming through the system and you saw other Blue Jays come through the system. He said, yeah, look at this. Okay, that guy's going to be a major leaguer. Oh, look, at that guy's going to be a major leaguer. What were some of your experiences Toronto Blue Jay-wise? 
I do remember that guy sure. because I did hit him so well. He sure. was a massive guy out on the yeah. mound, and I always I always hit pretty well against him, um, which was a rarity. So you got to hold on to those <laughs> when you can. Uh, I just every time we played the Blue Jays, I remember um, just I loved playing in Dunedin because it was a launching pad, and the rest of the Florida State League is very very pitcher friendly. So it was nice to finally go to a place that you could hit and run into some balls. But I just remember they always always raked no matter the year mm. no matter the team i ended up getting trapped in the florida state league so i was there for three years and every single team from dunedin uh was really really good offensively and i would run into a bunch of the guys that ultimately would become major leaguers as uh, we talked about tuesday rowdy telez was always hitting a bunch of bombs there in dunedin uh, kevin <laughs> biggio yeah. uh just a, a ton of names but uh, yeah, I, I just remember whenever we went to face them that it was going to be a fairly high-scoring game if we wanted to have a chance. I, I believe you, uh, you saw Danny Jansen a few times, uh, mm -hmm. Anthony Alford. You saw a few, a few Blue Jays. Uh, uh, just uh, sorry, Ben. That was the team that I'm trying to. Th that was the team, right? That was the team that. Oh had yeah, John yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I played against uh, all of those guys. Um, so uh, yeah, I was there for a three-year period. So one of the teams had Jonathan Davis and Danny yep. Jansen and. Uh, another team had Kevin Biggio and Rowdy Telez, and it was just, yeah, a, a lot of the guys that are in the big leagues or at least made it to the big leagues I got to play against in the minors. And shout out, not a Blue Jay. I wish he was because I kind of like him, but uh, if I'm wrong here, Ben, I believe John Birdie was the leadoff hitter for most of those teams as well. He was. Yeah. He absolutely yeah. was, yep. Who I really like. I, I like him. He brings things to the game that I like, Ben. I, I, anyway, Ben, how about over to you, sir? What's your throwback uh, a Thursday Toronto Blue Jay moment or memory? For me, I feel like this one probably gets answered a lot, but growing up in the backyard, um, my my family, my my dad and my brother, we'd always be in the backyard recreating like World Series, bottom of the ninth World Series games <laughs> on the line. And the Joe Carter home run is one that would always come to mind for me. And I just, I loved the homer. Um, a walk-off to win the World Series is something yeah. that, you know, you dream of as a kid. And you dream big. I My dream was to play professional baseball. And then one further, you want to hit a walk-off home run to win the World Series as a position player. And for him to do that, the celebration was so special. Um, just a, a magical moment that I've I've always, since I was a kid, just been recreating. So for me, that's the Throwback Thursday. And I don't know if anyone's answered this one on here before, but and I don't know. You might kick me off here uh -oh. after this. Uh -oh. but. Justin's no hitter in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. That was a great oh, yeah. moment there for, for me and my family. Well, both of them. <laughs> both of them. Um, so two cool moments there for my family. But the Joe Carter one for me, um, the Jose Bautista home run with the bat chuck down the line, uh, just some very memorable moments that have happened in Toronto that I think have been huge for the game of baseball. Obviously, Joe Carter's walk-off, but I really think the Jose Bautista moment um kind of propelled the the whole like bat flip movement that we're seeing in baseball yeah. and something that i love I, the name of my show is flipping back hey, I mean, hello I, <laughs> I, you gotta love that so that kind of started it and we haven't really looked back and it's it's fun and exciting and baseball's in a good place and in, in part because of that I, if I ever was lucky enough to, to to speak to Justin that would be one of the one of the things I want to know about that first no hitter in Toronto 
I want to say Rajay Davis, but it doesn't sound right. There was somebody who walked at the top of the eighth inning with one out in the top of the eighth. That broke the no-hitter. And then two pitches later, he got a double play. Like he, So it was a no-hitter where he faced 27 batters. And in my mind's eye, Ben, and I could be totally wrong. Justin could be saying, what? Really? No, I don't remember it that way. I feel like that walk was a controversial walk. I, I, I'd love to see if Justin remembers that. But but still, I mean, two pitches later, gets the double play. Anyway, but, I believe it was Rajay really? Davis. And really? I want right. to say it was like on a curveball that was very close. Um, so when you're throwing a, at the time, perfect game, you okay. want it because yeah. it was that close, but yeah. I want to say it wasn't a strike, but don't quote me there. Okay. I, I don't know. Okay. I think it was close, close enough to get the call, but he ultimately didn't. And I don't think that was a bad call. Awesome. Okay. Though that is awesome. And Ben, I, I, I really, I so highly recommend all the time. Ben just brought up the 93 world series, not just the home run. Locked on Blue Jay fans, watch that entire ninth inning. It's the most incredible inning of baseball I've ever seen in my life. Ben, it starts with Ricky Henderson. So you remember Mitch Williams is on the mound. His delivery was he'd come to the home plate was over there. He'd come tucked, right? He'd get the, the signal, come tucked, and then wind. That's why he was so wild. He never looked at home plate after he got tucked again. And if you recall, <laughs> Ricky Henderson, the wily veteran, right? He comes up to the plate. As soon as Williams looks in, gets the sign, tucks, Ricky, uh, uh, Ricky Henderson calls time. Of course, Darren Dalton, rest in peace. He's out of there. The umpire is out of there because everybody knows Wild Thing Williams is not going to look up and see the time's been called till it's too late. And here he's going to chuck this 99 at us. Everybody goes flying. He uh, uh, Williams puts puts the brakes on his pitch, goes helicoptering on on the mound, and ends up walking Ricky uh, uh, Henderson on four pitches. Like just incredible the way Henderson got in his head right away that entire inning. And Ben, the one of the most incredible things I've seen in baseball could have changed baseball history. When Mitch Williams is facing Joe Carter, it's fastball, misses ball one, fastball, misses ball two, fastball in there for strike one, and then a, a two a, a two one slider that not only is that Joe Carter's back foot, he swings and misses, he's flat-footed, he literally steps out of the box and is talking to himself. He, he, he was a little bit shook. He was totally fooled by that pitch. Then Mitch Williams on two and two looks into Darren Dalton and shakes off the pitch, Ben. And then the very next pitch is the – like, do you think you, – you've pitched – You've pitched in relief. You know what a short memory you have to have. But on a World Series stage, man, I have to think that Mitch Williams to this day wonders what would have happened if I had just gone with the pitch that Dalton had called for me, right? Do you, do you think that something like that for something that important would still be on this guy's mind? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it definitely is. I guarantee it's something that there's not a day that goes by. Oh, not a day. Oh, no. <laughs> and I would, I would imagine, like, relievers are interesting guys, right? And especially closers. And I feel like sometimes they get in their own way and try and outthink mm -hmm. what the batter is thinking when really you just made a guy look like a fool on yeah. a pitch. Try it again. You know, like I, what it, it, sometimes you find yourself outthinking yourself out there on the mound when, when the answer is right in front of you. And perhaps that's an example of him outthinking himself and, um, making the wrong pitch well you, you didn't know it was the wrong pitch at the time but it ultimately turned out that it was the wrong pitch so uh there might be a day that goes by but i guarantee wow. you more often than not he's thinking about uh i would love that pitch back absolutely incredible well ben i, I know when you joined us on tuesday you let the good people know where to find you but here on thursday please again remind these people where, where can they get into your into your uh, baseball work yeah i personally am on all social media twitter instagram um, TikTok, Ben Verlander on all of those. And my podcast, Flipping Bats Pod, is just all about growing the game and highlighting the game's best, the game's best teams, game's best players, uh, talking about everything and just trying to grow the game of baseball. And it's called Flipping Bats Pod. It's 
anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. And it's on all social media as well. And you can watch every episode on YouTube. Um, so add Flipping Bats Pod for all of those. And Blue Jay fans, I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of good Blue Jay uh, stuff on there as well. Ben is very excited about the 2023 Blue Jays. Talking about them a lot this year because I yeah. predicted them to win the AL East. So I need, okay. I, need, I need them to pull through for me. Well, thanks again for your time, Ben. Of course. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Another Throwback Thursday episode in the book for Locked On Blue Jays, home of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. RIP to that seagull. Now keep it locked on the Locked On Network and check out Locked On MLB and Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Be sure to join me tomorrow on Locked On Blue Jays for a deep dive into the pitching matchups this weekend as your Toronto Blue Jays take on the hated New York Yankees.